Welcome back, everyone. The two guys try to figure out the MMA rulebook as <laughs> if it were written in hieroglyphics. <laughs> what are hieroglyphics? Not doing very. I, uh, why are you asking? What is this? Twenty questions, Dom? Come on. Go Guy on. wears a headband one time, and all of a sudden he wants to ask questions. Sorry. How about wingdings? There we wing go. Wingdings. There dings. we go. I do know wingdings. Yep. Higher. You don't know hieroglyphics, but you know wingdings? Come on. I mean, someone didn't pay attention in history, I guess. I don't know. I was too busy throwing erasers and getting Thursday school. <laughs> this, that's a nice little callback a couple episodes ago. So of course. Nice, Dom. But, uh, yes. That is Dominic, the man in the yellow headband, if you guys are watching on YouTube. I'm the man on the right, your uh, tour guide for this for this episode, the the... You know, like, um, I don't really have another reference, but I'm a tour guide, I guess. So I'm going to take you guys through all the action of the week, all the news going on. It's International Fight Week. It feels like the biggest week. It's the biggest week of the year. It's the Super Bowl of MMA. It's the the WrestleMania of MMA. Mm Kind of feels like the whole fight world comes together in Las Vegas, Nevada, except for us two who are stuck on the the Midwest. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, it's a weekend of celebration, and we also have PFL Week 6, so not to be outdone to PFL putting on a nice card of their own, headline Kayla Harrison, Rory McDonald, etc. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's Thursday, that's weekend preview, of course. Um, I'm Noah Baker, that's Dominic Salee. Dominic, yes. that was a rough way to get to this point. Man, that intro was brutal. But. How are you feeling? I get a sense you are leaning a certain way in our co-main event, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, there's a. I think it's Max Holloway Fight Week, maybe. That's what I'm going to say here. But, uh, guys, it's International Fight Week, as Noah said. It feels like International Fight Week. This card is stacked from fight number one to fight number 12. If only there were just a few more. But I can't complain as an MMA fan. PFL finishing off the regular season this weekend. We've got tidbits. We've got fight announcements. It's going to be fun. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm in the saddle. Giddy up. Show the shirt. Move the mic. <laughs> Max Just Holloway, so everybody's clear. Yeah, in case the headband wasn't enough to tip you off, there you go. Yeah, surfboard in the background. Or skateboard, sorry. Yeah, Max Holloway. Is it? Is it? Or could it, could it be a surfboard since it doesn't have wheels on it? Ooh, you just made a fact. It'd be a tiny one, though, like a toddler surfboard. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, did, did you ever have one of those, um, what do they call those, like kids, uh, is it a boogie board? Boogie board, yes. You ever That's... heard of that? Yeah, isn't that like a kid's surfboard kind of? Yeah, yeah, we had one for the pool last year, and we broke it in half by accident, but it's <laughs> well, fun. I remember, I remember getting one for, um, what, what, what trip was that? Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach, oh, South yes. Carolina. I remember getting that. Myrtle Beach, man. You know, yes, you, you, you go there once when you're like six years old, and you think, man, this is like, this is, I mean, this is the best place ever. This is the Jamaica of the South, you know. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then you come back, and then you go back when you're like 18 for like a frat weekend, and you realize that it's kind of the most wretched place on earth <laughs> in certain sure. portions of the city. Yeah. The less said about that weekend, the better. I mean, I may have may have passed out in a you know a, a hotel <laughs> a lobby, right. you know, just yeah. little things. You were tired though. That's all it was. I, I think what's crazier 
than the fact that I actually passed out in a hotel lobby was that the hotel staff were so used to these kind of this kind of behavior <laughs> that they just let me be. Good on them, you know. Maybe the couch is just comfy and let him be. I like it. Now, before we get into today's action, I want to remind you guys where you can follow us on social media. Let them know. Me and Dom, we're the below average Joes. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok now, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. Yes. If you need that repeated, if you're watching on YouTube, then luckily it's right above Dom's head, so you don't even need to hear it. Yes. Um, for Dom, you can find him on Twitter or Instagram at dsleep14, as well as TikTok, but he, he may or right. may not send you a right. couple. I don't know. Right. And then for me, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at ntbaker underscore. Did I cover everything, Dom? Yes. Yes, you did. Let's start with our main event of UFC 276. Guys, I'm going to tell you now. There's a 12-fight card going down for the UFC, and we're talking about 11 fights on here. <laughs> no disrespect, Jessica Rose Clark and Julia Stolyarenko, but you didn't make the cut, ladies. No, too much, too much. <laughs> but this main event, Dominic, will see Israel Adesanya look to defend his middleweight title against the number two contender in the division, but a man deserving of the title shot, Jared, the killer gorilla, mm-hmm. Cannoneer. So the odds will tell you that Israel Asanya is a heavy favorite in this matchup, minus 425 on DraftKings as it stands, as we're recording on Wednesday. Jared Cannonier, a plus 340 underdog. So that definitely tells the story right away. Now, in the lead-up to this fight, we had an interesting discussion that kind of got started with our last um, verbal sparring, mm-hmm. where it sort of feels like, even though Israel Asanya, as far as middleweight goes, He's undefeated as a yep. middleweight. He's the champion. He's defended the title multiple times. But it feels like for some reason that his momentum, his uh, his stock is kind of at the lowest it's been in a long time. Yeah. Now, some of that could be due to the fact that he did lose in his bid to become a double champ to Jan Blahovich at light heavyweight. Some of that could also be attributed to maybe some fans viewing as lackluster performances against Marvin Vittori, maybe even the rematch with Robert Whitaker. Some people kind of thought that fight, some people scored it for Robert Whitaker. You know, it, yeah. it felt like there was a little bit of controversy with that one. You all, you've, Obviously, there's still probably some people hanging on to that UL Romero fight and <laughs> uh, yeah. crying and yelling about that, yelling yeah. at the clouds. Now, I just want to get your thoughts before we talk about the fight itself. Israel Adesanya, what do you think is kind of going through his head as this fight approaches? Do you think that he's at all swayed, at all sort of motivated or deterred by maybe fan perception and sort of where his momentum lies? Or do you think that he's the type of guy that does not care, that it will not affect his performance at all, and he's just going to go in there and do what Israel Adesanya does, even if it leads to maybe another sort of lackluster fight? Yeah, I've got to be the latter there, Noah, just because I just feel like that is the type of guy. He does not give a shit what you say, what the fans say. He wants to go out there. He wants to win, build, and cement his legacy. But I have noticed just like during fight week, the small buildup, watching the videos, embeddeds, and whatnot, he does seem to have a bit of a 
I don't know, pep in his step, if a, you will. A bit of an edge. I'm yeah, nervous yeah. Of an edge. So while I think it's not for the fans and the perception that he has right now as the champion with his recent fights, I think he's really wanting to go out and make a statement for himself. This is a guy in Jared Cannonier. He's wanted to fight for a very long time. He had his eyes on him for a very long time. Talked about him in 2019 with Joe Rogan. I saw a clip going around on Twitter today. So he's always had his eyes set on Cannonier. It's as if he's studied him and knows what he's going to bring into the cage on Saturday night. I just feel like Israel Adesanya could potentially be on the cusp of another just, you know, Paulo Costa type performance that he had. That's just kind of how I'm viewing him right now, the vibes he's putting off. So yes, the latter, not, not what other people are saying about him. He doesn't care. I think this is personal for him. Not even like in terms of nasty personal beef, but a personal vendetta that he wants to go out there and make another statement show. I'm the champion. I have four title defenses. I'm the man. Yeah. I tend to look at his personality and view him as a fighter, as a person, not that I know him, but I tend to view everything I've seen that he would fall into the latter category as someone who is not yeah. at all bothered by fan perception, by right. a lack, a perceived lack of momentum. This guy is one of the highest paid athletes in the entire company. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the best pound for pound fighters in the whole company. You know, it's it's kind of minor inconveniences at worst, I'm sure. Yeah, But I will say he's at least saying a lot of the right things. If you're someone who is looking for Adesanya to have a kind of uh, another breakout moment, if you will, another just dominant performance, something that reminds everyone why we were viewing this guy already with the likes of Anderson Silva as a middleweight. Mm-hmm. Um, he is saying, you know, Kind of fuck it. I just want to go out there and and lay it all on the line. Like he's like yeah. fuck the whole you know double belts, fuck the legacy. I'm ready to just kind of go in there and be a dog, you know. Yeah. yeah. So he's saying things like that, and it's easy as you know, it could be just fight speak. It could be just to try to get more people to buy the pay per view. Because if he's saying I'm going to go out there and fight him like I fought Marvin Vittori. Maybe people <laughs> right. wouldn't be as keen yeah. on watching, but for what it's worth, I do tend I do tend to buy into the narrative that even if I don't think it's altering him at all, as far as like I don't think he's at all bothered by it, but I do think that he is feeling a little extra motivation, um, which can be hard to find with a guy like Jared Cannonier because he's not the kind of guy that's gonna you know, get in your face and talk right. trash and, you know, well, Jared Kinnear, yes, very much just a respectful guy. He has earned his title shot. He did it the right way. He didn't have to, at least in his mind, I guess, uh, you know, go against any sort of moral code to earn that title shot, sell his soul or whatever you want to say yeah. to earn it. He did it by clearly just by winning the fights he needed to, to get there. But that could be hard for a champion to find that motivation. You know, fighting Marvin Vittori, I'm sure it was easy. Vittori's screaming how he got robbed the first time. And, you know, he's yelling at Adesanya. Um, Even a guy like Robert Whitaker, who, again, falls more into that cannoneer category, it can be easier to find the motivation against him because the first time, he's the guy with the belt. Second time, it's still this narrative of who's the best middleweight in the world. Robert Whitaker earning that title fight back. To where it's like, okay, I got to really show people that I'm the number one guy in the world again. Very much so. 
with Cannoneer, you know, he's he doesn't come off as number one guy, right? He's ranked number two getting yeah. this title fight. So there's a lot of things that add up, a lot of factors that add up to where this could be a trap fight for Israel Adesanya. It really could be. He could be you could look past an opponent like this. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what he's gonna do. I think he's really motivated to put on a good performance, not just win, but I think Dominic he's looking to win big because in some ways it might be because he's kind of getting tired of doing this, like doing these these same old song and dances with these batch of middleweights that he view as being a step below him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's looking to grab the attention of someone else, maybe a light heavyweight champion to again go back up, or maybe to try to, you know, maybe it is just, again, for legacy. But all in all, I do think we're going to see a more... I don't think we're going to get a five-round boring decision where Adesanya no. just outpoints Cannoneer. I don't no. think so at all. And part of that, as we'll transition maybe a little more into the fight, is I don't think Cannoneer's going to let him either. No, I can't uh, see Jared Cannoneer's, he, his style, Jared Cannoneer, is very aggressive. It is to kind of get in your face. And this is a guy that started his UFC career a heavyweight dom. He's yep. fought at light heavyweight. Yep. Yes, not as not as successfully, but now he's at middleweight. He's only lost one fight at middleweight. That was to Robert Whitaker. Besides that, the dude is still carrying that power and that strength as he's gone down in weight classes. He looks better than ever. So if he's able to get his hands on Israel Adesanya, it could be a tough night for the champion. Yeah, Jerry Cannonier, I feel like, too, while he's kind of known as just this power puncher, I think that's kind of very surface level observation of the guy i think he is super Mm -hmm. skilled yes he's got the power but he's got the techniques behind it to follow up set up the combinations strong very physical presence uh good grappling as well if he chooses to use it like he's more well-rounded i think a lot of people would think can i can i I butt in just sorry not to Mm -hmm. just because i want to touch on this point that you're saying when you're like i know where you're getting at you feel like the fans are kind of overlooking his real skill set in favor of just this surface level observation of a one punch, mm-hmm. you know, chance. But do you think that some of that comes from the fact that, I mean, do you think Cannoneer has much of a chance chasing Israel Sanya? Or do you think, like, is it kind of true that maybe his best chance at winning this fight is to land a big shot and rock the champion since we really haven't seen that done since Kelvin Gastelum? Yeah. That's that's a, that's honestly an, an amazing question too because it would go against everything I'm saying. I mean, yeah, I would feel like initial thoughts. Oh, he, he's going to have to land against a guy like Izzy who seems to be so perfect in the octagon. But I think there is like other paths to victory that he could pursue. But you know, we look at a guy like Marvin Torrey in the rematch, for example, a guy that was going to go in there, look to grapple, tried and tried and tried, and couldn't. Izzy stopped it. He showed that at 185, his skills are continuing to get better and better and sharpen kind of all aspects of his game. So that does make it a lot harder on a guy like Jared, who, yes, leans more toward the power, but does have those other skill sets. It's like, what can I do? What kind of game plan can I put together outside of landing one shot with my power? But I do think it's an interesting fight. You made a perfect point. I don't think it can be boring because I don't think Jared Cannonier can allow it to be boring. Even if he does take a step back and wants to be slower paced, I think that's going to set him off to a very rough start because if you start slow against Izzy and he starts pointing Mm -hmm. you – it's it's already over, I feel like, in round number one. I've talked about the Izzy effect 
multiple yep. times on this podcast, trademark pending still. It's a couple years old now. But <laughs> if you get behind against Izzy, it's hard to catch back up to him, man. So I feel like Cannonier has to come forward, put <clears throat> Izzy on his back foot as much as he can because he's so long. He's so good at counter-striking. There's got to be just something that Derek Cannonier can try and do that Izzy, at least maybe not even that he hasn't seen, but like a Kelvin Gaslam approach where you're just not going to back down. You're going to stalk forward. You're going to eat a couple shots to give a few shots. At this point, with a guy as good as Izzy, you have to do something like that. The only issue I have with Cannonier trying to replicate or somewhat replicate a Kelvin Gaslam performance is I felt like a big portion of Kelvin's success was the threat of the takedown because he is there. a very good wrestler. Yeah. Not only is he a great boxer, but he has that wrestling to back it up. Yeah. And Israel maybe not being as confident at the time in his uh, wrestling defense or being on his back as maybe he was against Vittori where you saw him kind mm-hmm. of use his defensive grappling to get the upper hand at multiple times. It was yes. very just insane to watch, quite right. frankly. But um, I don't think Cannoneer is that kind of wrestler. Now, he does have a strength advantage here, you would think. he's yeah. He's a big guy. He's fought at heavyweight, light heavyweight. So if he gets his paws on Asanya, <laughs> yeah, you gotta think there's got to be some success there. Maybe in a clinch-heavy attack, you know, if you're able to get in tight and able to kind of just punish the body, punish the legs with some knees to the legs and um, foot stomps, whatever it might be, to try to slow him down yeah. to where maybe come round three, round four, even if Adesanya's cardio is not starting to wear out. Maybe his body's going to start to slow down due to the accumulation of punishment. Yeah, more Easier said than done. Yes, yes, exactly. So then you can land that big shot because Cannoneer does possess it. You saw in the Robert Whitaker fight. Whitaker, for the first two rounds, Whitaker looked like the best fighter in the world against Cannoneer. Yes. Cannoneer, Whitaker, exactly the way Whitaker wanted. He was counter-striking him to death. Hurt him multiple times. But Dominic in round three... Jared Cannonier came back and nearly yeah. puts the fight away, as yep. crazy as that would have been. Uh, people kind of forget that fight. I think that fight's a little bit more of a prevalent, in my mind, than maybe it is in a lot of others, mm-hmm. um, just because it showed that even when Cannonier's hurt, when he's kind of battered, his skill set doesn't really lend itself to diminishing over the course of a fight. Like He is still very explosive, even yeah. when he's hurt, um, and that showed. Adesanya, uh, can Adesanya finish this fight? I think he can. I think yeah. both guys are capable of a finish here for sure. Not just capable in like the one punch. You know, everybody's always capable of getting the finish. But I really think Adesanya, even if he would, for what he lacks in the true power, I really think he could overwhelm Cannonier again. Like you said, if Jared comes out slow, mm. game over. I think this yeah. fight's done inside two rounds. There's mm. just no way. It's hard like to make Apollo up Costa for Like Apollo Costa fight. Yeah. Yes, because like the Izzy effect says, I mean, Whitaker out in two rounds, Apollo Costa out in two rounds. Yep. Once you start slow and then you had to overcompensate, yes. it's, it's, it's over. It's over before it even began. But if you could catch him off guard to begin the fight and sort of ride that out and be a little more – like I thought Whitaker did a great job in the second fight of sort of – picking and choosing where to be aggressive and where to be more of a, a chess match because it kind of kept Izzy guessing yep. a little bit. He also you did a pretty decent job of 
mixing in the takedowns with the striking. Again, I don't know if Cannoneer is capable of that kind of game plan. I would love to see Cannoneer if he truly has maybe made any improvements on the wrestling. I would love to see him come out and try it because mm-hmm. that's really – I mean, look at the size difference. I mean, you look at what Blahovich did to Izzy. That's really where he needs to take this fight. Right, right. But I just am not confident that that's where it's going to happen. And I do think that Izzy should be the favorite, of course. And I think he's deservedly a big favorite for the reason that it's a uphill battle to try to put Izzy in this kind of vulnerable spot that we're painting the picture as here. Yeah, yeah, I very much agree. It's an it's an interesting fight, man, too. And you know, being <clears throat> near thirty-eight years old, six years the elder, will wow. he look slower? out there than Izzy does, you know, and you would think going into this too, the reach would be kind of crazy big in Izzy's favor. Not too bad. Only two and a half inches, but Izzy yeah. is a whopping five inches taller. So even though the reach isn't too bad for Cannonier, he has those long arms. Can he reach, you know, Izzy's head when he wants to, or is it going to still have to be closing that distance? Even with the reach, not being bad, he's going to have to get in there tight because Izzy is so good. A master at keeping people at his range, picking his shots. So it really is an interesting fight. It feels like this one, too, a long time in the making. You know, like at times it felt like Cannonier had earned it before, but then yeah. they gave him one more. Then he had lost to uh, Whitaker, right? Then he won two more. Now he's finally here. He made a statement when he beat Derek Brunson. The time is right. Yeah, what you were talking about earlier about uh, Izzy in 2019 saying that he was looking at Cannonier. I remember he yeah. said – if Cannoneer beat Whitaker at UFC 254, mind you, that was headlined by Habib yeah. in his last fight. Yeah, He said he would get the next title shot, and he came up short. But since then, Kelvin Gastelum went, which was pretty impressive, and then the knockout of Derek Brunson, which was, I mean, that was money. So, Yeah, uh, and another point, too, Dom. there, yeah, very much. And just quickly, I didn't even think about it, but the Cannoneer gaslam fight five rounds we've seen cannoneer yep. looks good over the course of 25 we know izzy does that's true so that's a positive in his favor too it's it's very interesting mm-hmm. let's talk about the co-main event for a little bit because in my opinion it's hard to not look at this fight as like the people's main event in a lot yeah, of ways it feels that way I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Izzy and Cannonier are in a main event for for a reason. You know, Izzy one of the big stars. Yeah, it's a big fight. It's a fight I'm excited to watch. It's not like a a given that Izzy's going to win. He's going to have to really earn it. But I'm just saying, in terms of my true excitement, what I'm truly anticipating, it doesn't get any better than this. This is the trilogy bout between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway for that prestigious UFC featherweight title. Where to begin? Volkanovski up 2-0. This is one of the rare trilogies yeah. in MMA across any promotion where the, fir- the the guy, the champion here, has won the first two bouts. Yeah. But that doesn't yeah. really tell the story of these two. Obviously, you go back to UFC 245, the last card of 2019, pay-per-view-wise. Max Holloway riding just, I mean, that guy was like the best in the sport viewed at the time. Just one of the best in the world. You looked at what he did to Brian Ortega, to Frankie Edgar, to Jose Aldo twice. I mean, just putting on demolitions inside the octagon. Mm -hmm. And then he goes up against Alexander Volkanovsky, who I think a lot of people overlooked in that matchup. Volkanovsky utilized a heavy, heavy leg kick game plan, and it worked I mean, it paid dividends for him. In my yeah. opinion, 
I know a lot of people group these two fights as being like very like uh, contra- both of them controversial. I think there's no controversy in the first fight. I would agree. I think Volkanovski yeah. clearly won by whether you scored at three two or four one. I mean, it just I don't see a, a way you give Max Holloway the first fight. Yeah. Now, fast forward. Immediate rematch due to the dominance of Max Holloway comes at Fight Island UFC 251. One of the bigger cards in recent memory. Saw the immediate rematch again. In a lot of ways, most people may be favoring Max Holloway again. Yeah. Kind of viewing him as being the guy that could maybe make the um, the proper um, improvements. Yeah. Yes, adjustments to win the fight and win his title back. He got a back-and-forth fight, a fight where Max started out strong. He dropped Volkanovski twice. Yeah. Volkanovski came on strong late. Ultimately, the decision goes to Volkanovski. A lot of people did not like this decision, Dom, which yeah. is kind of funny when we view it in today's lens where we have a judging controversy every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And back then, it just, I mean, I know the judging controversies have always been around, don't get me wrong, but it just felt like back then, like that was just such a big controversy, and now we don't really even talk about it that much. Yeah. Yeah, it was like once a month back then, now it's every week, you know. Time for <laughs> so, nice back then. So Volkanovski retains, and there is such an outcry that there is even consideration made to just run it back a third time right away. Yeah, yeah. I'm very glad in hindsight that didn't happen. Very much. Because these two went their separate ways and put on what I can only describe, put on a nature documentary. <laughs> and. And watch these fucking cats, these like panthers, these fucking cheetahs. Watch them take down a warthog in the fucking (laughs) desert. Yeah. That's what we saw. This is what Max Holloway and Volkanovsky did for the next couple years. I'm telling you guys, these are some of the best performances you'll see. Across yep. all of MMA. Volkanovski coaches the return season of the Ultimate Fighter versus Brian Haga that leads into their match at UFC 266. My favorite fight of the year. I mean, what a story. And in, in some ways, even at the Volkan- Volkanovski dominates the majority of the fight. But even at his most vulnerable moments, when those two submissions in round three Ortega has on tight, you find out just how fucking gutsy and just how much Volkanovski can persevere because he finds a way out of those chokes, doesn't tap, doesn't go to sleep, and it continues to pummel Ortega until the decision comes in and he wins the fight. Uh, He followed that up with a fight at UFC 273. That was the last matchup back in March where he took on the Korean Zombie. Yes, Korean Zombie, a late replacement for Max Holloway. True. But... A fighter that I think we all kind of thought, like, you know what? Maybe the Korean Zombie deserves this. Maybe he deserves to be in this spot. Maybe he can give Volkanovski a good fight. Yep. No. No. <laughs> no. No. Master no, no. class. No. Volkanovski made the zombie look like he had never thrown a punch before. Yeah. Like performance I mean, of the year he, at the Joey's. He's in the discussion. Yes. Yes. From pillar to post. 
It yeah. was a complete masterclass. Yes. I'm going to use the same words to describe Max <laughs> Holloway's return fight. Yeah. At the beginning of 2021 against Calvin Cater. I mean, is that one of the best performances of all time? Yes, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was our by round year five last year. Yes, by round five, he's talking to the commentary team while not even looking, and he's dodging punches while not looking. Yeah, yeah. He's like his his face avoiding the fist of Calvin Cater is like that episode of SpongeBob where Patrick's like the lid, the lid, the lid, the lid, the lid, the lid, and like like he, he can't find his face. The right. fist can't find the face. Yeah. And then Max follows that up with the, one of the best fights of the year against Yair Rodriguez, who's such a dangerous opponent. What I'm trying to say is this is 1A and 1B. Yeah, it feels and, that way. And, and, and I don't care what the odds say. Yes, Volkanovski minus 185. I think some people are surprised by that. I'm personally not. He's won the first two fights. You look at the performances he's put on since then. Yes, even with Max's performances in mind, he probably should be the favorite. But I don't care what the odds were. I didn't care if they were flipped and Max was the favorite. This fight is, at the end of the day, as 50-50 as it gets. And it's so crazy, Dom, that like six months, you know, maybe six, eight months ago, if this matchup had happened, I would have put a lot of money on Max Holloway just because I was like, you know, you look at that Calvin Cater fight and it just sticks with you. It's like one of the best performances of all time. And somehow Volkanovski is not, is maybe even done better yeah. than that so it's like these two are just like competing tit for tat for not only to be the best fighter in the division but put on the best performances in the division i mean these guys are truly as neck and neck as it gets and the rest of the featherweights as talented of a division as it is are just fighting for bronze at this point oh yeah very much and um you know man like you look at it, they fought in the end of 2019, the middle of 2020, both in their physical primes then. Two just amazing back-and-forth technical <clears throat> great fights. For whether you're there, like the first one, maybe not as much action as the second. Whatever you will, it's super technical, beautiful mixed martial arts between these two. And they've, they've, no, they've gotten better. They've not stayed the same, and they're still just beating everybody. Both of them, I feel like anyone that watches fighting, and has followed their career since their two first two fights, can confidently say both men have gotten better than what they already were. And that is absolutely terrifying. It's unfathomable to even think of it. I don't know if you got to see Brett Okamoto's interview with Max Holloway this week. Very good. And there was a quote in there that was so wonderful, and I didn't even think about it. It, wasn't, it didn't even cross my mind. I just thought, oh, it's the trilogy, champion versus number one, win streaks on the line, yada, yada, yada. No, Alexander Volkanovsky, the number two ranked pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Max Holloway, number six pound-for-pound in the world. How often is the question that they ask when Brett and Max are talking, do we get to see two of the top ten pound-for-pound fighters in the world go head-to-head? It's not just a trilogy. It's not just a title fight earned for both guys. This is this is for legacy. This is for just all-time great status there's so much more on the line here than max holloway getting a win back than volkanovsky adding another title defense to his reign this is about who is the best featherweight in the world who's the best featherweight of all time even that is what this fight solidifies there is so 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 much on this fight right here i appreciate the double down there because a lot of people including max holloway 
himself, he also did an interview with Luke Thomas this week. Yep. I saw where he said, because I think uh, the question was asked by Luke, you know, do you view this fight as the winner being the the best of all time at featherweight? And he said not even close. He said Jose Aldo is still leagues above both of them. And what a humble answer, I must add, by the way. From a guy that's beat Jose twice, you know? Yes, yeah. And Volkanovski's beat Jose Yeah, and Volkanovski's beat him, So I don't don't know where I fall on that, like as far as, you know, if this fight is full. I didn't start out with that. I think there's a little bit of fatigue in some fight fans' minds when it comes to it feeling like almost every fight there's, like, huge goat. Like, where's, you know, is this the fight to determine the best of all time for this division? Or where does Charles win over Justin stack him up to the best lightweights of all time? It's like sometimes fights can just be on their own without having those kind of implications or at least needing to be addressed. But it's hard to not look at these (laughs) implications because they just, they jump right out at you. You know, these two guys, this feels like a super fight, even though it's literally the two top yeah. guys of the featherweight division yeah. and so much so dom that it feels like for the loser their fight of this fight a lot is at stake here i mean mm-hmm. for max holloway if he loses this fight that'll be three losses yeah that's to, yeah doesn't matter the fashion i don't care if it's a close decision i don't care if it's or anything in between Three losses to the champion. Where does he go from there? Does he go up to lightweight where there might be some pause on how much success he can have up there? You know, his first time going up there, he got kind of beat down by Dustin Poirier. And, you know, at the same time, you have this new crop of lightweights emerging that are so talented and killers. And I don't know how Max does against that crop. But then if Volkanovski loses, sure, maybe a lot of you, think that he just immediately gets a rematch i don't i don't know if that's the case because i don't it seems like a lot of the hype for this is that it's viewed as kind of the end of the the road you know it's like this is it sure if this fight ends up delivering leaps and bounds like a moreno figurato three maybe people will clamor for a fourth one and you get it but for volkanovsky if he loses to max you know, he's wiped out a lot at the top of this division. I mean, sure, you do have some matchups like Josh Emmett, like Yair Rodriguez, Calvin Cater, very interesting matchups there. But, you know, he was been really talking a lot lately about wanting to move up to lightweight to challenge for a title. So would he still want to do that if he lost? Because he might view you know, not getting an immediate rematch as kind of beneath him at this point. And... You know, I, I couldn't really, you know, be mad at him for thinking so. It just feels like there's so much at stake here, not only for the winner to really be enshrined in featherweight history and pound-for-pound pound history, and it also just feels like for the loser, it takes a major step back and have to reassess their entire future. Yeah. Yeah, it does. There, there again. The storylines just feel endless for this. Noah, we've discussed kind of this before, and I want to just mention it off the top because sometimes we say no, sometimes we say yes, sometimes we're in between. Usually, I'm the guy that likes to pick in between yes and no. But when you hear about <laughs> when you when you hear from Volk, 
and he is expressing so much interest. You know, after this fight, I'm going to 155. I want to be a double champion. This and that. Is there any bit of that narrative? Because we've had these discussions before that maybe he is looking to pass Max. Because in his mind, he's very confident. I've beat him twice. He's getting the fight because he earned it back, but I've already beat the guy twice. Do you think, and again, it's not even that we have to agree with it or think that, but do you think that could be a storyline, a narrative that comes into play here? Maybe, just maybe, he's just looking to 155 a little bit too much. I. It's a good question to ask. It is. Because even though a, a lot of people maybe haven't heard those, they've been there. He's been saying it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say no. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'll admit, like, I feel differently about, like, Kamara Usman, who we'll be talking about next month. And, you know, he's been saying similar things but about, you know, a Canelo boxing match and stuff. Yeah. I feel differently about that one. And I don't really know why I feel differently, but I'll try to explain why I think no for Volkanovsky. He's been in there for 50 minutes with Max Holloway. I think he knows just how damn good Max Holloway is. Oh, yeah. And, yes, even if he beat him twice, I think if he – okay, he might be overconfident. Maybe he is overconfident. Maybe he thinks, look, but what is overconfidence? Is it – do I think that he's overconfident to where – He's not preparing at the same intensity as he should be. No, I, I don't agree with that for a second. I Basically, the way I view it, I think he's overconfident that I think he, in his mind, he truly believes he's going to win this fight, whether or not it be because of the first two encounters and because of any improvements he's made. But yeah. you can't convince me, and I'm not. I know you're not trying to. I know you're just asking a question, but you can't convince me that He's take fight lightly. If not for the fact that it's the opponent who is literally his equal in so many ways. Yes, I know he beat him twice. But because I, he is so sick and tired of having people tell him these last few years that he's not the real champion, he's a paper yes. champion, that yeah. Max Holloway can fight, he is ready to shut those people up. And I think he's really going to come out here looking to get it done. Like, I, I think he wants to be the first guy to finish Max Holloway. And, I mean, since Max was under the age of 25, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's been a time. And, I, again, I don't know. Like, if you ask me to predict this fight, it's in my opinion, it's going it's going the distance. Like, I know both guys are talking about knockouts, and I, that's great. Yeah. I have a hard time seeing it, you know. Yeah. I think these guys are too aware of the of the challenge that is across the cage from them to where I don't think you're going to see anybody fight less than the smartest style they can fight for this. Um, with that being said, though, Dom, I'm going to go with no. That was a long-winded way of saying no to your no, question. I like, but I like I'm going to I'll throw the question back at you. Do you do you does that creep into your mind at all? No, I, I, I tend to, I feel like I answer no to that question when we do discuss it every now and again, and I would have to say the same here. I, I feel like Alexander Volkanovsky is one of the best, obviously he's one of the most highest you know IQ fighters in the, in the UFC yeah, right now, maybe sure. ever that we've ever seen. His game planning is to a T, his camp, yeah. uh, city kickboxing, and then his other camps are in Australia. They don't get enough love either because he mm-hmm. kind of splits back and forth between both. Um, they are just so good at each individual opponent, breaking them down and creating game plans for them. Um, so that's what makes it so beautiful. I think Alexander is very hungry. I love the point 
that you said, you know, people have been calling him paper champ. Oh, you're, you're defending all these titles and whatnot, but it's not even yours. It should have been Max that's got two title defenses. Um, I think he does want to prove a point. I think he has a chip on his shoulder. I think Max has a chip on his shoulder as well. It, yeah. th- there's just so much here, man. And it's like, again, as good as the first two fights were, envision the Volkanovski we saw against Korean Zombie versus the Max that we saw against a Calvin Cater or a Yair. Like, I can't even imagine. If those are the two people that get in the cage Saturday, I can't help but feel like we're in for a treat. An all-time classic, even. Like, it, it's unreal. That's... The the highest level of MMA <laughs> is this fight right here. He just kind of gave me a little twinkle on my ball sack. Like, my... <laughs> Look, I just felt a little something down there, yeah, and, you know. Yeah. With as a, as a guy with uh, my, um, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to even go. <clears throat> uh, let's just say that to feel a little twinkle goes a long way for me <laughs> right now. But uh, wow, that really that that's the way Dominic. I mean, UFC needs to hire you, pal. I mean, look what you just did in five seconds. You just convinced everybody out there. Everybody. Every man, woman, child, baby watching this just had a twinkle on their ball sack. I love that. Dominic, Dominic made your baby's ball sack twinkle. Just put that on the shirt. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, and we got more on this fight to come. I'll just, I'll just step over that. It. It's taking us to different heights. We got to get out of it. <laughs> There's more on this fight to come. We'll talk about this in the betting portion. But Dominic, I think, you know, before we just get rock hard in here, I think we got to move on to PFL. Are you saying we're getting soft now on this one? Uh, <laughs> That's not exactly what I was getting at because it, they it, all loved the PFL. But it's you just know, a step down. That's all. That's all. It, look, it's not their week, man. It's International Fight Week. I mean, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's a, yeah. But I'm happy that we get a little MMA on for sure. Of course. And really – we're kind of underselling it a little bit. I mean, you're getting Kayla Harrison and Rory McDonald. I mean, those are two of the best going today, especially Kayla Harrison. I mean, she was our 2021 Women's Fighter of the Year at the Joey's. So, needless to say, she is an elite women's MMA fighter. She is in our main event, Dom, taking on Caitlin Young, a late replacement. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Julia Budd out. We talked about that on Monday. Caitlin Young, 12-12-1, I believe is her record. But she's been there, done that with a lot of some of the best in the world. You know, she's been around for a long time. Uh, but Kayla Harrison, a minus, what, 3,500 favorite? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just, 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 just for comparison, if you guys will remember, we addressed or talked about an ongoing situation with the PFL where their Challenger Series bouts – had odds that went through the roof because people found out that they were pre-taped fights. So people knew the results. They knew the, who the winners and losers were, and the odds were still not as stacked in their favor as it is for, for trailers. Tell me that's not the craziest thing you ever heard. Imagine going, you can pick this guy who has it's won his fight for to sure. Win. Yeah, or you could pick Kayla Harrison, who is yet to fight, and they pick Kayla Harrison. I mean, it just yeah. that blows my mind. Now that's a that's a beautiful that's your main event. There. That's that's your main event. Our co-main event is actually a very interesting fight because maybe for the, one of the only times across these three cards, you're getting two winners matched up against one another. Rory McDonald and Sabadu Sai taking on each other in the co-main event. I kind of hate it for Rory that he's getting put up against someone who 
showed to be very good in his last but also like I do prefer to see more competent talented head-to-head matches it's just it means that I feel like we're seeing a little playoff PFL in the regular season which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but it adds value to this card for sure so yes yes Roy McDonald the leader of the welterweights going in here he's the number one seed going in uh, Sabadu Sai is technically not in the playoffs he's technically the five seed but he did win via decision he's tied with I believe Delano Taylor and Jarrah El Salawi so we got a lot going on here Dom women's lightweight welterweight a lot of fights to talk about Ray Cooper the third missed weight in his last fight lost to Carlos Leal I know Dominic's going to want to address that so I'm going to kick it to him in a second but he's going to be looking to bounce back against Brett Cooper minus one points coming in here so he's going to need a big finish if he wants a chance at the playoffs, also Magomed, Magomed, Karimov making his season debut, not yeah. able to make it for the last show. So, Dominic, what is the biggest story going into PFL 6 for you? I mean, is that just a beautiful setup, just a cherry bomb right there? I mean, come on. Yeah, the storyline, biggest storyline on the card <laughs> has to be Ray Cooper the third, right? It has to be. This is a two-time... Oh. Okay, I think so. That's not where I thought you were going. Uh, uh, Well, you know, if you're talking about the hometown girl, Kayla, you know, of course, I love it. That's not where I thought you were going. Okay, also not where we're going. Good. I thought you were going to talk about Carlos Leal. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's ridiculous because he's on this card uh, and fighting for no reason. Well, he's probably getting a paycheck, so he's fighting for that. But still, he is not fighting for points. He is not involved in the PFL tournament anymore, even though he styled and profiled as Ric Flair once said, against Ray Cooper in their first matchup. Um, and it, it's just crazy to me. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and now Ray Cooper, he's in the 10 spot. He's at minus one point. Back against the wall, he needs a finish. And not only that, Noah, he, he has to go out there and probably get Brett Cooper out in the first round to get a maximum six mm-hmm. points up and put him at, if my math is right, six minus one, that's five. Put him at five, he could likely get in in that scenario. I don't but, like uh, how long that took. That took you longer than thinking of Kennedy and Chekawani, which True. we might address. We're addressing it now? Okay. okay. I figured it would come up eventually. Well, I just – it took me two episodes. Like, this is a, a this is a weenies on me. It took me, like, two episodes to realize Dominic literally said, like, three last names in one. Kennedy and Zekchukwu, yeah, <laughs> along with a couple other fellas, Dominic just mishmashed their entire last name together. Yeah. But you we, know, whatever we won't talk works, about. Right? We yeah, we won't talk about all that. Hey, we knew who we were talking about. <laughs> That's what matters. Um, we will talk about what the similarities were between the three. But right, right. So Ray Cooper versus other yeah, Cooper and Brett Cooper. I actually don't think this is an easy fight by any means. Even though it's what I feel like the PFL is trying to go for. After what I saw mm. from Ray Cooper in his last fight, I'm not ready to count out Brett Cooper, another guy that is trying to get into the playoffs as well. This is a guy that has a lot of finishes on his resume. He's, you know, still relatively young in his prime. He's going to be the bigger guy uh, than Ray Cooper in this one. I just feel like coming into this season, Ray Cooper is one of the biggest names that they have. Uh, you know, a star, if you will, again, a two-time PFL champion. He has that whole debacle. He misses weight by a ton. He gets dominated in that fight against Carlos Leal, and he's still being kind of fed a chance here from the PFL, whereas Carlos Leal... The guy puts on a great performance and gets screwed. It's just ridiculous that he's looked at as an alternate. It pisses me off so bad. But, yeah, I think that fight, 
storyline wise has the most going on for it and i don't mm. think it's anything easy for ray cooper i will say the hidden kind of not even storyline but the fight as a whole that i'm looking forward to most actually is magomed magomed karimov and do you say is it jo joa i think it's i think it's Zhao. Zhao? i was not close either one <laughs> well uh, that actually that doesn't look right now <laughs> zephyrino right the brazilian yeah, Ze- zephyrino <laughs> yeah. a guy that dude really good in the pfl as well been around since it was the wsof world series of fighting back in 2015 he was in the lightweight tournament this guy is a killer on the ground you don't want to go there with him mm. and magomed has been submitted more than a few times i think there's actually some upset potential there for zephyrino to make it into the playoffs but obviously if magomed wins he didn't get to fight i think due to injury the first uh leg i can't of the remember if it was injury or like a visa issue or something yeah i can't remember but if you're him again behind much like ray cooper you're at zero points you have to get a finish to put yourself into mm-hmm. the playoffs those are the types of fights that i want to see i like that fight the most in terms of on paper skill for skill tip for tap that's the one how crazy our winner and runner up from the welterweight tournament last season are on the ropes literally yeah cannot get complacent here a decision does nothing for them more than likely yeah um looking for finishes for sure i will just i did not realize this carlos leal's fight is that a late addition to this card or has that been there i don't know if it's been there or what I just for some reason when I put when I put when I put this card when I was putting this script together or starting to I thought it was Monday and I don't remember Carlos Leal being on this card but he might have been and are you sure that he's not in he's not fighting for points though is that is that for sure based off of that article I sent you when they initially announced the matchups for this card they listed him as an alternate if someone misses weight gets sick he steps in, which again, bullshit, by the way, if that's still holding true again, cause this might've been a late addition. Like you said, for all I know, he could be in it now, but yeah, if he's not, it's ridiculous. Hmm. I kind of wish I would have figured that out before. Actually, you know what? Cut. So after further review, mm-hmm. yes. the Joes have found that Carlos Leal is actually is replacing a fighter in this tournament. He is replacing Glayson Tebow. So he is Dominic fighting for his playoff hopes here. As he should be. Good. Justice is served, right? Right. Very much so. And you know what? Shame on the PFL again for having these weird rules in place to where a guy like him who got the opportunity, defeated their biggest star, and all of a sudden was being held off from the second matchup. That's got to be something in their contracts. They got to be guaranteeing a lot of these guys like two fights. Yeah. While someone like Carlos Leal, who was brought in, well, he didn't get the contract from the Challenger series, but he was on it. So I'm sure he was given one of those replacement level contracts where it's like if, if there's a spot that opens, we'll fill you in. That's not, doesn't seem like a very, situations like this shouldn't happen. Like make your no. contracts a little more balanced, I guess, if you're, you know, you can't just be guaranteeing guys multiple fights. If, I mean, really, Ray Cooper III should have probably already been out just because he got negative yeah. one points, didn't win. I mean, it just – I mean, I'm glad he's fighting. But I'm just saying – and I'm glad Carlos Leal got a fight. I'm glad it all worked out. But yes, now sure. that becomes an anticipated fight for me, him versus Nikolai Alex Sakin, which I don't know much about his opponent at all, mm-hmm. admittedly. But I'm yeah. just excited to see, can he follow it up? 
did he kind of get lucky taking on an opponent who must have drained himself trying to make way, who's obviously had some sort of tumultuous fight week to probably morale was low for him, yeah. uh, wasn't fighting at his best, let's put it that way. Uh, but Carlos Leal's good, man. You know, I, as much of a a as much as a fart in church as the Challenger series was, he was a pretty positive takeaway I had for it. And actually, there's another guy on here who I want to give a shout out to. I believe Jarrah Al Salawi got a contract from the Challenger series, so I believe that's why he's here. He won his first fight, okay. and now he's taking on Magomed Umalatov. Couple Magomeds on this card. <laughs> yeah. Umalatov. I don't like the way I say that, but uh, that is opening our main card. Jarrah El Salawi, pretty exciting fighter. Um, I'm interested to see how those guys do. It would at least make me feel like, Dom, if if I can get Jarrah and Carlos on the playoffs, I'll feel like I, that my $50, well, actually $100 because I forgot to cancel at the end of the first month, it'll make me feel like it was well spent. Yes, I, I would Because I got to see you. their intros to the PFL, you know. Right, right. Well, that's it for the PFL discussion. That was <laughs> so, all over the place. <laughs> so, uh, moving on from there, we got a couple tidbits, Dom. Titties and bits. Now, did you Titties watch the first pitch? Me, by the way. What? Did you watch the first pitch of uh, Sean O'Malley? Dom I didn't Gracie? catch the first pitch, so I'm one and one on tidbits. I went back for right. Darren Wynn, but I didn't see. You are not one and one. You're zero and two. <laughs> okay, I guess you, I am zero and two. But yeah, you so yeah your your reaction to the Darren Wynn video came seven days too late. So I mean, congratulations. I don't know. What do you want me to? You want Sugar Sean's first pitch? I did not see. Anyways, Dominic's favorite fighter, Valerie Loretta has announced that she is signing with the WWE, will be a part of their developmental uh, team over at NXT. Yeah. Dominic, do you think this is a good or bad career move just on the surface here? Uh, I mean, probably good, I'd say, especially like financially. It is weird because I think she was like four or five and one in Bellator. They promoted her an awful lot over there, but good on her. Go chase the bag. Go get the money. Nick, if you're she listening, was, uh... I know you're happy as well. <clears throat> Yeah, she she was coming off a loss, right? Wasn't yeah, she it, did. She or did she win that? Like, what was that really boring fight? It she was had? a snoozer, I believe. Because she, she started dancing remember. after the fight, and you know, it was like yeah, good move. She is she is coming off a loss, I think. So is yeah. In a lot of ways, it almost. It, let me be careful with how I word this because who I'm about to say. I feel I almost feel like she's learning from the mistakes that Paige Van Zant might have made. Paige Van Zant, don't get me wrong, big star, but if you know, I think that we realized pretty quickly that she wasn't ever going to be like a champion in the UFC. So don't get me wrong, if she wants to continue to be like a you know fighter, if that's what she wants to do, then that's great. I mean, that's great for us. We get you know Paige Van Zant's a fun fighter to watch, so I mean mm-hmm. that's great. But as far as for her brand, for her mm-hmm. marketing, for her money, yeah, you know, I feel like Paige kind of missed some opportunities. You know, now she is in uh, AEW, yeah, which I think is good. But then she kind of did the she's doing or still doing I don't know the BKFC stuff, which yeah, seems like a weird detour for her to take. Um, again, 
not making any assumptions. I get it. She's a pretty girl, but you know, she can do whatever she wants, you know, fuck you. Right. So yeah, I'm just, uh, saying that I feel almost like Loretta going straight to the WWE route maybe is a smarter financial decision than kind of some of the things Paige did. And, you know, she did it right away. So uh, I think good for her. I think maybe with the loss in her last fight and really most of her fights have been against pretty tough like when i say tough i mean like tough to watch competition yeah Yeah. a lot of soccer moms and stuff you know just not not the best competition so i feel like it was pretty clear that her stardom was becoming bigger than i think her level of talent is that rude to say maybe i mean if you base the skills off in the cage i don't think that's like a terrible thing i mean she she would probably i mean again her and lauren murphy are gonna fucking bash my knees in with, with baseball bats but you know it's just i just think that it's a smart career move because i think I she's only think, like 23 as well so yeah she's very young yeah and you know she'll be over there with the likes of uh i believe uh what's his name the 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 wrestler that signed with uh i can't oh um national champion holy shit <laughs> is it starting with a g i feel like it starts with a g Someone. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we're not going to take a break to find out. No. <laughs> Next tidbit: um, Dana White made an appearance on Jim Rome's show. I didn't even know Jim Rome still had a show. Good for Me Jim neither. Rome. Yeah. I used to love Jim Rome as Burning back in the day on ESPN. Those were the good days on that one. But uh, <laughs> he had a pretty, you know, he had some quotes on here that we could talk about. But really, the one that I want to get your thoughts on was he said, John Jones is ready to go. And that all they are waiting on is an opponent said, and he did say Francis and Ghani were steep. He said, Francis, it just depends on how long he's going to be out with the knee injury. And he said, we're steep. So Dominic did this quote, raise lower, not change your level of confidence in John Jones heavyweight debut happening this year. Oh, didn't change a damn thing. Uh, when the fight <laughs> announcement comes from the UFC is when I'll get excited. I will say, though, uh, this week Francis almost or also came out and said he could potentially be back this year in December. So I'm thinking, you know, if you're the UFC, if he can make it back this year rather than like next year and you can kind of like lock him down for that fight before he goes on to do like a Tyson Fury boxing match and entice him with that being against John Jones. I think they would skip over Stipe for sure and give John that fight. So we'll kind of see what happens. I think a lot of it does rely on Francis and his recovery timeline. But, I mean, this is the same thing I've been hearing. So, But, I like, I want to see it. I just, until it happens, I yeah. can only be so optimistic. I know. I get it. We've heard it so many times now. And, honestly, I feel like the bigger question is not even Francis's health. I think it's the contract stuff. I don't Yeah. True. Like I, I could, I was kind of surprised that Dana was so adamant that Francis is like an option here because kind of seems like he's not <laughs> really. Yeah. Francis but is a meeting next week, so okay. Well, maybe we'll, we'll see. see. I, you know what? I, I, I hope that we see some resolution. Oh, I don't know what 100%. that'll look like, but obviously, as a fight fan, you got to hope for that. You know? And that fight is absolutely. And don't get me wrong, him and Tyson Fury, it might be fun. But as MMA fans, like, this is no Kayla, or excuse me, this is no Chris Cyborg, Katie Taylor. Like, I would take 100 Francis Ngannou MMA fights over watching him and Tyson Fury. Yes. Copy and paste. 
get at me. All right. Well, that's it for tidbits, Dom. Let's talk about that lone fight announcement we have. This should be a quick Oh, one. hey. It's Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate. Right. Rescheduled. The fight, the fight that was supposed to be on this card yep. has been moved to UFC Long Island. Your thoughts, July 16th. Good on them. They add to a stacked card. It's on ABC. There we go. Dude, it's, that card is so loaded. It's so good. Ranked talent. And again, you know, I know I don't, I've mentioned I don't really care about this fight that much, but I can't deny that, like, Misha Tate, big star. Oh, I'm intrigued. There is some intrigue at her at Flyweight. Yeah. I think I care less about the Lauren Murphy part, which, again, Lauren, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> just, well, Noah, hey, let's just be honest <laughs> here. People, you might not even like to hear this, but I know just people in general aren't going to like to hear this, but guys. We have to be honest with ourselves. As Misha comes in and wins, she's getting a title shot against Valentina, and there ain't no other way to this put is, it. She's skipping. Oh, she is leapfrogging Taylor yes. Santos to that title fight. Yeah, yes. You're probably yeah. right. You're probably right. So. Let's get into the rest of this card, Dom. Ooh. UFC 276, that is. It's every fight. It's every one of them. <laughs> Except- and we start. <clears throat> yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry to Jessica Rose Clark and Julia Stolarenko. Yeah. You guys still matter. Just not to us. Anyways. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's just jokes, ladies. You know, I'm, I'm really going after the ladies on this episode. I'm sorry. It's the, yeah. it's the, low, it's the low T, you know. Just, Look, <laughs> don't. Go on. Sean Strickland. What? A, this on, fight, man, is still. Taking wow. on Alex Pajera in your featured bout. I if there is a fight on here that I literally can't predict, it's this. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. It's not for the reasons that you might think, right? Because I think a lot of people view this fight and they look at well, Sean Strickland, and they go, "I'm not even sure if he's going to make it to fight night because he's going to end up, you know, with somebody's. He's going to be ended up wearing somebody's face before Saturday, <laughs> like thinking he's a serial killer. I mean. The guy's a bit out there, you know. He's, he he says he says a lot of things, right? So, yeah. um, his personality is a bit abrasive. It's a bit uh, controversial. It's it's very blunt. Um, it's a lot of things. It's entertaining for sure. I mean, from the yeah. outside looking in, it's entertaining. But um, and he's going to be a part of the press conference apparently on Thursday. Don, yeah, I saw him posted that. a video about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if they're going to correct that mistake because, oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Um, anyways, but truth be told, Sean Strickland won the top middleweights in the world. His ranking yep. coming in is four, five? Yeah, number four, six-fight win streak. Yeah, he's going up against the unranked but favorite in this fight, slightly, Alex Pajera, who I believe he's still a favorite for this fight, slight favorite. Uh, only 2-0 and in the UFC, but does have a very prestigious kickboxing background. Oh, and he also has defeated Israel Adesanya twice in kickboxing, including a knockout in their last encounter. So, I wonder how many times we'll hear that Saturday. <laughs> yeah. A lot of intrigue here, obviously. Yeah. Now, where I am, like, so lost on how this fight's going to go is not because I'm, you know, I'm not pr- – I think a lot of people are predicting this to be like a war, like a blood and guts. You know, you got two guys that are such good strikers and, you know, they're kind of wild men that they're just going to go for it. But how many times are we going to have to learn that even though Sean Strickland talks like a, like a lunatic, he fights like a very intelligent yes. man. 
Well, he's this a very is your uh, technical fighter. brawler, right? I mean, this is your yes. motto for him. He is a te- he is a technical brawler. I mean, that guy. I'm not gonna. Some people say he's like all bark, no bite. I'm not saying that. I mean, he fights very smart, and that's because he attacks his opponent's weaknesses every time, and he he basically heightens that for the entire fight. He will go five rounds of just picking you apart without ever taking it into a second gear if that's what he has to do. That's kind of what he did to Jack Hermanson. Yeah. Now. Alex Pajera, the reason why, again, I'm going to get focused here and say, the reason why I'm so lost on how this fight's going to go is because as good as Sean Strickland is as a striker, can he really go the full 15 minutes on the feet against Alex Pajera? I I don't know. I I, want to say yes simply because... We saw Bruno Silva do it, and he's not the striker that Sean Strickland is. This is true. This is that's you know? a great point. It's a great it, point. It's uh, like it's crazy to me that after that performance between Pajera and Silva, great fight, dog fight, to launch him in the top four, and I get it. I know why they're doing it. He's thirty four, but he has that history with Izzy. If he beats Sean Strickland, he's top five. Honestly, he's going to get the title shot if he wins this. I'm just going to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. Honestly, probably the winner of this is next. Let's just be real, but. It's just, um, this is a big jump, man. To only have six professional fights, only two in the UFC, and have, contra- not controversy, but such a closely contested fight in one that going in, a lot of people thought you were going to steamroll Bruno Silva and knock him out quickly. This is a big step, man. It really is a huge step. Yeah, it's a very big step up. And I think, what, what I, again, my, my last thing here is that Pajera is such an accomplished kickboxer. Mm-hmm. Sean Strickland, fantastic striker in the UFC. Mm-hmm. But, like, and maybe he can't, like, okay, like Bruno Silva, your point. He went 15 minutes with, with Alex Pajera, but he got beat up for those 15 minutes. Can Sean Strickland really outstrike Pajera for 15 minutes? That's, that, that's kind of my point. And now... You would say, really, what should be asked here is, well, do, do takedowns come into the oh, equation? I believe so. I think there's a chance for it. But Pahara, or not Pahara, excuse me, Sean Strickland doesn't, he doesn't use his takedowns a lot in his right. career. It's his, You're right. He, he, tends to, he tends to stand with most of his opponents. And again, Despite his reputation, I do think he fights very smart. He recognizes where the strengths and weaknesses of his game lie against who he's fighting. So, therefore, if that's what I believe, he should definitely come out here and be spamming takedowns from the jump. Because, truthfully, Dom, I don't think over 15 minutes he can outstrike Alex Pajara. See, that I, I, I get what you're saying. I will say the way in which they both strike is very different so that'll be interesting how it'll clash too because strickland he just goes and goes and goes he sets this pace that's just relentless and he Mm -hmm. doesn't stop punching for we've seen him do it for 25 minutes twice uriah hall and jack hermanson Pajara, much more like izzy right long tall utilizes distance powerful when he lands but he's you know he doesn't throw recklessly when he finds an opening he'll strike and it lands and it hits very hard so is Strickland going to be willing to kind of just press that pace, make Pair uncomfortable because he hasn't been in it too much? I, I, how this plays out on the feet is super intriguing, super interesting. And then obviously, if Strickland can land takedowns, because Pair did find him, fight him off good against Silva the couple times that they came. But if Strickland does implement that, 
you know, this is a top four guy we're talking about. It's going to be different than Bruno mm-hmm. Silva. It, it is a very interesting fight. It really is. And I guess to your point that Alex Pajera kind of fights like a kickboxer. Like Izzy yes. has sort of figured it out. He's molded his kickboxing heavy style into a more MMA frame at this yep. point. Yes. Alex Pajera still feels like a guy who's trying to figure out how to be an MMA fighter, but he's still having a lot of success due to right. matchups, whatever, at being a kickboxer in an MMA cage. Yeah. Well, shots so are like, in a way, I don't think Sean Strickland's going to straight up outstrike Alex Pajera, but I don't know if he really has to because he, he's not limited to a kickboxing game here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He can kind of utilize a full game. He's going to make Alex Pajera probably concerned with the takedowns. That's going to leave some openings. He's yeah. going to try to up and use the rest of his attack on attacking the body of Alex Pajera, the legs, kind of what I mentioned Cannoneer might do against Izzy earlier. I'm kind of talking myself into Sean Strickland here, whether or not people realize it. But <laughs> yeah. um, it is a super captivating fight either way. And, and I think a lot of that is because, Dom, I think it's true number one contender fight here. And I think it's I yeah. think it's deserved. Now, if Pajera comes in here and gets smoked, then we'll kind of go, well, hindsight, he shouldn't have been in this spot. But, you know, I understand why they have him in the spot. Yeah. And I'm kind of... I'm. I said this actually. Did did I not call for this matchup in my? Or no, I might have called for him to fight a wrestler. I don't know. But it was either this or Brunson. But either way, yeah, I might have said Brunson. I just when I view this matchup, it's now or never for Alex Pajera in my mind. I know he could probably fight for a few more years, but I've learned all I needed to learn about how he does against. You know, Bruno Silva, a very good MMA fighter. Michaelitis is okay. Like, put him up against the best of the division and see if he can hold up. Because he's yep. not going to put, he's not, he's never going to be like a complete MMA fighter. But he may not have to be. Yeah, you're right. At least to get to the title shot, you know? Yeah. You're tr- yeah, very true. Um, following that, we have a late addition to the main card, some shakeup here. Robbie Lawler taking on Brian Barbarena. So Brian Barbarena, we had the pleasure of watching out in Columbus, Dom, and he won a a very close decision against Matt Brown, Ohio's finest. Mm -hmm. But now he takes on ruthless Robbie Lawler, the former welterweight champion, who has seen better days. He did get a win over Nick Diaz at UFC 266. It was a decent fight and one that Robbie looked pretty good in. But before that, Dom, Robbie Lawler four-fight losing streak. Now, to me, Robbie Lawler, bias, going to admit, Robbie Lawler, probably my favorite fighter of all time. I have a hard time seeing Brian Barberino win this fight. Hmm. Uh, And that's because even if you look at Lawler, sure, is he a champion-level fighter anymore? No. He's still a solid fighter. And I think when you look at his losses, who's the worst guy he's lost to Ben Askren I guess I mean but controversial I mean, I, stoppage I, but a great fighter yeah. still at the time <laughs> yeah you know Neil Magny both guys that I would say are better at least at the time that they fought than Brian Barberina is currently 
Yeah. The best guy Brian Barberina's beat in his entire career is Matt Brown. Yeah. I mean, you look at the last five fights, Dom, he's got losses to Randy Brown and Jason Witt. Randy Brown, very talented fighter. Mm-hmm. And his wins are to Anthony Ivey, Nurian Weeks. I mean, this is a big step up for Brian Barberina, I would argue. Yeah. And I think a lot of people view this fight so evenly, and I just disagree. I think Robbie Lawler should be a pretty big favorite here. And especially when you look at the style that Barbarina is going to bring, who better to challenge that style than a man who won three, not one, not two, but three straight fight of the years with his blood and guts, his heart, his effort. Tell me I'm wrong, Dom. Oh, you're not wrong. I love it, Noah, and I love this passion from you. I love the fight, you know, stylistically, just like matchmaking. But oh, I do love it, yeah. I think Robbie still, again, like you said, he's not a championship uh, contender. He's not like a top 10 guy, but he's still got plenty of gas left in the tank. Say what you want about the Nick Diaz fight. It was a great fight between two old season veterans, but Robbie just showed to me that he ain't done yet. He's still got gas in the tank, and a guy like Brian Barberina, who's going to bring it to him, that is the style that Robbie likes at the end of the day. So I love it. This is going to be bite down on the mouthpiece. Let's bang. Can I give a little bit of credit to Barbarina real full, like, Robbie Lawler fan mode right there? I will say Barbarina tends to fight up to his competition. You look at the Vicente Luque fight, which was uh, one of the very first cards in the ESPN era. Uh, that's one of the best fights that nobody's heard of. I mean, it's literally, that fight is immaculate. Chef's kiss, if you will. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, and I have Vicente Luca, you look at, yeah, he might not have been the number six guy in the world at the time. But Brian Barbarina could have finished, I mean, he was close to winning that fight at multiple points. So, again, if he can get the right style matchup, which truthfully, him and Robbie, the styles are going to mesh here pretty well, I think. But um, it could cause a little chaos for, for Robbie because Brian does bring a very aggressive and he tries to break you down type style. We have seen Robbie sort of falter to that a little bit when guys yeah. kind of press him. Um, but I, I really just, I think it's a great fight. I do think it's good matchmaking. I think it's an earned fight for Barbarina coming off the Matt Brown win, but it uh, might be just a step too close to the sun. If you get what I'm saying. I see. I see. Now we open our main card, Dominic with the sugar show, Sean O'Malley. Mm taking on Pedro Munoz. He is looking, Dom, to make it four wins in a row. This will put him into the top ten. He's taking on the number ten ranked bantamweight in the world. Tell me, Dom, are you riding high with Sean O'Malley in this fight? He is a pretty heavy favorite. Or do you think that the dogs could be barking with Pedro Munoz? Yeah, I, I know O'Malley and his team are riding high into Vegas, if you know what I'm saying. And I'm riding high on him for this fight. I really do. I think this is a great matchup for him. I think it's his chance to get into the top ten. I just look at these numbers here, and when you just kind of break down the styles, O'Malley, eight years younger, five inches taller, seven-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, a guy that is so long and rangy when he strikes. It's so technical and precise and powerful when he lands. Uh, it just it seems like... All signs point toward O'Malley, but he ain't faced a dog like Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz never been finished, never been in a boring fight. I think he's going to bring the absolute best version of Sean O'Malley out of him. 
in order for Sean to win this fight, he's going to have to dig deeper than he's ever dug before. And he's had some he's had some uh, fights, obviously, where he's went through uh, some hard times in the UFC. Obviously, even the loss to Cheeto Vera, but the fight where his leg gave out to uh, Andre Sukumthoff. He followed me on Instagram once. Shout out to him. Um, <laughs> I then think, unfollowed you. <laughs> and then unfollowed me because I didn't follow him back. Um, for O'Malley to win this is going to say a lot about where he is. Say what you want about the matchmaking that he's had to get to this point. Now he's fighting a legit top 10 seasoned veteran who has fought nothing but killers since he's been in the UFC. Now's your time, Sean O'Malley, to really show us how high the Sugar Show can go. That, that's what this is right here. Yeah. The more you look into this fight, the more you realize why the UFC put it together. It definitely is a fight that favors Sean O'Malley in some ways, stylistically. Just what you mentioned off the top there. The, the size, the measurables, the reach advantage, definitely big advantages for Sean. But I don't view it as such a one-sided matchup. I do think Pedro Munoz, um, he's just been so battle-tested against the best yep. of the division. He's got big wins over his career. I mean, he beat Cody Garbrandt back when that really meant something. Yeah. And, you know, you look at – he just – he's been a mainstay of this top ten. He's – yeah, like I think he's nine and seven in his UFC career, if memory serves me right. It does yes. nine and seven yep. in his UFC career. So it's been kind of a bumpy road, especially as of late. And this is kind of my thing. He he has lost four last fights. Yeah. Two fight losing streak. Dominic Cruz, Jose Aldo, both great fights. Dominic Cruz fight, he nearly put Cruz away at multiple points. Did have the win over Jimmy Rivera, who's now fighting for BKFC, but still, solid top 10 opponent. Mm -hmm. And then he had losses to Frankie Edgar and Aljamain Sterling before that. And the Frankie Edgar loss, like I kind of, I scored it for Munoz, but you know, it is what it is. So I think the four out of the last five might be a little misleading, but I would also say that I think a guy whose perhaps confidence is a little low and honestly is going to have a tough time closing the distance and kind of making O'Malley work. I mean, I think if he can do it, then he could have a lot of success. I mean, in some ways, I see some similarities in in the mentalities of a Pedro Munoz and a Marlon Vera that could mm-hmm. convince them that this is their fight to win. You know, yeah. not being too, not feeling like the moment's too bright going up against such a, a studded, you know, prospect like Sean O'Malley. Mm-hmm. But... At the same time, I just think that the disadvantages that Munoz is facing here might be a bit too tall to to combat. But a guy with 16 fights under his belt in the UFC, a lot of experience there against all high-level competition, it's a fight that I'm very, I think, is very earned for Sean O'Malley and one that I think Munoz could really just remind everyone who he is. Perfectly said. To the prelims we go, Dom, and I'm going to let you take this one. Jalen Turner taking on Brad Rydell. Brad Rydell, number 14-ranked lightweight in the world. He looks to bounce back against the Tarantula. Yeah, this is probably the second most anticipated fight I have for me personally on the card. I love this fight so much. Brad Rydell, Jalen Turner. That's a bold statement, by the way, coming from me in this fight card, how stacked it is. But this is just so great. Brad Rydell, a proven prospect now being four and one in the ufc had a great fight with Rafael fazee before he got knocked out with a wheel kick in that third round that was kind of the battle which one's going to break into the top 
you know, 10 status first. Rafael got it done. Uh, but Jalen Turner really putting it all together right now. He's won four in a row. Battle-tested guy, but still only 27 years old. And Noah, much like the fight we just talked about with Sean and Pedro, size is the difference in this fight jalen turner is six foot three six foot three at lightweight brad rydell five foot seven that's uh let me think five eight inch height advantage six inch reach advantage jalen turner is such a swiss army knife he's got nine knockouts he's got three submissions that's a 100 percent finish rate he's good everywhere the fight goes rydell world-class kickboxer phenomenal on the feet super technical uh, and precise. I've said that a lot, but we got a lot of technical, precise strikers on this card. What can I say? <laughs> I think that this is such an amazing fight. It's a 50-50 fight. One that Jalen Turner can finally crash into the top 15 in a big way because if I think if he wins, he's going to get a finish. But Brad Rydell looking to hold on to that number 14 spot. And I think, truthfully, if he wins, he's going to get a finish. Jalen Turner's a bit chinny as well. Rydell never had a finish in the UFC why not do it at UFC 276 as the prelim headliner? This fight, if you're not tuned in, you're going to miss out on something special. I'm just going to be honest. I want to lean Rydell so bad due to the uh, more precise striking, the more technical striking, as Dom has so prevalently mentioned across <laughs> this card. But Dominic, in the words of, well, you, size matters. <laughs> yeah. And... That reach advantage, that height advantage, it can be a bitch. And when you have a guy like Turner who does have the grappling advantage, does have a far better submission game, if he is able to wrap those limbs around Rydell, it is over. Yeah. Over. So I have a really hard time knowing what's going to happen in this fight because I do think Rydell is so talented and that – in some ways, I feel like Rydell's ceiling is higher than Turner, as crazy as that is to say. But I think it's a bad matchup for him at the same time. Can he Turner's, reach him? Yeah, I mean, Turner's kind of a bad matchup for a lot of guys. That's, you know, 6'3", <laughs> yeah. lightweight. Yeah. But I just, I think Rydell has the, like, when I think of, like, a someone who could be a champion in this division, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Rydell really can. But I do, I could see him fighting for a belt. I don't know if I yeah. see that with Jalen Turner. So it's hard to, but that, that that really doesn't matter for this matchup. I just think that it's a tough matchup for a guy like Rydell, who's not one of the bigger lightweights in a division. Yeah, yeah, awesome fight. Ian Gary is back, Dom. He's mm. the next the next hype project coming out of Ireland. I'm sure you'll be hearing the oh wait oh wait oh wait oh, oh, oh. Is that how it goes? Oh wait oh wait oh I don't know. I was just. I, but just I, get was, it. I was trying to do I was trying to do that as fast as you can say Kennedy and Chekawani and I just kind of flubbed it, but <laughs> right. that's okay. He's taken on well, funny enough, a guy with the last name Green, St. Patrick's Day, Irish holiday, that's wearing what you're your green tying this together for. <laughs> Is Gabriel Green gonna pinch Ian Gary, if he's not wearing the green trunks in the cage, Dom. Jinkies. <laughs> uh, th- hey, I remember when this got announced and we kind of talked about it. I like this fight. I really do. I think it's a good next step for Ian Gary. I think it's a good opportunity for Gabe Green. Both got, you know, 29 for Gabe, 24 for Ian Gary. So he's still so young. He's going to be a bit bigger as well, 6'3 versus 5'10. Ian Gary 
hasn't had the cleanest of two and O's so far in the That's UFC. True. You know, Very he was true. down on that fight with Jordan Williams in his debut before he absolutely just knocked him out cold. It was such a beautiful shot with one second left in that first round. Tit for tat in a second fight. I'm blanking on who the hell he fought. In Darian Weeks. Fight. Darian Weeks. Thank you. We already talked about him once on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, nothing's been perfect, and I don't think it's going to be perfect for him here either. Gabe Green, off of his last performance, looked the best he's ever looked, Noah. And he's on a two-fight win streak right now. He's well-rounded, has finished 10 of his 11. He's 2-1 and one right now in the UFC. I think this is great matchmaking for both guys to take that next step. Ian Gary, it's his third fight in the UFC. Every single one has been on a pay-per-view card uh, in, a, in a featured spot on the prelims. The UFC's got to be doing it for a reason. They know the hype behind this kid, the confidence that he carries, a Cage Warriors champion. I love it. I love this fight. I think it's going to be very competitive as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't. I guess my terrible intro to this fight may not have told you how excited I am for it, but I am. Ian Gary, like I said, he is like the the next wave of the Irish MMA talent. You know, they are yeah. completely behind this guy. He's saying the right things. He's look in his debut. He put on that knockout. I, even though yes. The whole first round, it felt like Jordan Williams was winning the round, but it doesn't matter because at the very end, he puts him out cold. Yeah. The Darian Weeks fight showed a lot, though. It showed that he is 24. I mean, he's, yeah. he's yeah. a big, he's a bit, oh, here we go. He's a bit green. <laughs> this guy. I mean, the jokes write themselves. Hey. I'm wearing a green shirt. The jokes write he, themselves. No, he's here all night. He's here all night. <laughs> Just seriously. <laughs> Um, but I do think Gabe Green, it's a better opponent than I think I thought. When I first heard the name, I was kind of like, oh, wait, who's this guy? Like, Gabe Green? But really, when I remember his fights, I'm like, this guy just beat Johan Lanessi, I believe, earlier this year, who was a contender series yeah. contract earner making his debut. Johan, a very talented striker. And Gabe Green made pretty good work of oh, yeah. him. PKO finished the fight. Also has a win over Phil Rowe, who's a tough matchup. His lone loss in the UFC, I think, is to Daniel Rodriguez. So, I mean, oh man, I missed D Rod. No, 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 I know. I haven't seen him in a while, but um, D Rod's a great opponent. So, oh yeah. Um, all of a sudden, it kind of flips the script. Like, I'm still leaning Ian Gary. I still believe in the potential. I think that maybe his talent, even where it currently is, is just a bit over Gabe Green. But at the same time, Dom. Gabe Green, a little bit more experienced, mm-hmm. uh, has fought a little bit tougher competition. Um, does he use a bit of that veteran? I don't know if it's even fair to call him a veteran. I don't know what his right. age is, but he's only got like five fights, more fights in his career than yeah. uh, Ian Gary, and only one more in the UFC. But can he use a little bit more of that experience advantage to – get the kind of victory that Gary got against Darian Weeks, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. that's very realistic here, that this could be an eye-opening fight for us to realize, okay, let's pump the brakes on the Ian Gary hype. Or it's just going to heighten it even more, and it's going to get out of control. That's what I foresee here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, two legends going head-to-head, Dom. Jim Miller taking on Cowboy Cerrone. Will we actually see Cowboy fight? I think this is the third time we previewed him this year and he ain't fought yet so now he's going up against jim miller this is a fight that happened back in 2014 i believe Mm, yeah and donald cerrone got a finish i think i believe he got the tko finish in that fight now dom 
They're here head-to-head. It feels like the script has flipped a little bit. Jim Miller, a pretty heavy favorite, feels like the guy with more left in the gas tank. But both fighting for legacy here because the winner of this Mm. fight will be the sole owner of that prestigious most wins in the UFC history number. So, Dominic, your thoughts on the fight. It's a little low on the prelims, but it's a fight that I'm glad we're seeing in front of fans. If this is this it for Donald Cerrone? Do you think that the two falling, the two fights falling out with Joe Lozon may play an effect on how Cerrone looks here? I mean, there's just a lot of variables, right? Yeah, for sure. I am glad they're doing it at 170 for Donald, who's had to cut that weight two times now. Essentially, that's tough, man. In a short amount of time, it's gonna not necessarily benefit Jim Miller. He's a pretty solidified lightweight when you look at yeah, his stature. Sure. Uh, but he's true. one tough son of a bitch. And like you said, no, the winner of this solidifies themselves with the number one spot. Twenty. Four wins. Also, both guys have 16 mm-hmm. losses, so who's 16's got to go? Sometimes we have who someone's O's got to go. This one, someone's 16's got to go in the loss <laughs> column. Um, oh, my and God. That's I also, so gross. <laughs> I, I also just want to say, and that's not even a slight to him. These fuckers fight anybody. anybody no, I know. Don't I know. And I just know uh, for your sake, yes, the winner of this takes the number one spot, 24 wins, but that's only until Mr. Andre Arlovsky fights again <laughs> later this year and he gets another win against another up-and-coming prospect. So, um, Wait, but yeah, seriously. say it with me. Say it with me. Andre, Andre Arlovsky by decision. decision. I'm glad is. Dominic was slow to my uh, pace there. That was... That was terrible. That it was, was terrible. like molasses. <clears throat> um, so there's a throwback. I love this fight. I think it's a great fight. I love that it's a rematch eight years in the making. It's it's two dudes that have done everything there is to be done in the sport outside of hold a damn title in their hand, and they're still fighting for the love of the game. So I love it. I think it's going to be very fan-friendly, and it's going to be on the bet slip, and I'm going to kind of discuss why I think it's going to be so fan-friendly. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. I, I so badly want to see Cowboy go out with the win, but I'm also liking the run Jim Miller's been on. I mean, this is a different matchup for Jim Miller as of late. He's oh, been yeah. having to fight off some of these young bucks, and now mm-hmm. he's being – he said, I've, I've, had the, I've had the young calf, now give me the old bull. Kind yeah, of flipped, yeah. Uh, kind of flipped the stepbrothers quote there, and then he grabbed me by the wiener. You know that, that, that <laughs> quote, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, so uh, – <laughs> So Jim Miller wants the old bull, and that's what he's going to get here with Cowboy Cerrone. It's a rematch for him. It's a redemption fight in a lot of ways, you know, of when he wants to get back. Um, it's so weird how these guys' careers have divulged since that first fight, how yeah. now Cerrone is the guy that feels like he's got maybe one fight left. He's lost, like, hasn't won a fight in, like, his last six, while yep. Jim Miller's riding another win streak and – still being very competitive. It's just a very interesting way. You wouldn't have thought that that's the way these careers would have turned out, but yeah, that's where we are. I'd like the size advantage of Cerrone for sure. He's a more, he's more, he fits better at 170 pounds. Like yeah, we've seen him there to. multiple times. Yeah. Um, he probably fights better out there at this point. Cause I think the <laughs> yeah. weight cut to 155 is just very tough and he's getting a favorable matchup for the 170 pounds. Cause it's a guy who's even smaller than him at 170. So, um, man, I, I, I agree with you, though. Fighter, a fan-friendly for sure. It should be. Um, I just I hope it goes longer than, like, a couple minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. A question real quick, just to end the conversation. Do you like this fight better than the Lozon fight for Cowboy? 
just like in terms of what we're going to see in the octagon or just matchups and general storylines because like you got to love the storyline right the winner gets the you know the record uh, but i just like, like the storyline i like the storyline better yeah but i like the lows on fight better in terms of competitiveness at least perceived competitiveness you know okay Cerrone maybe Cerrone been active but hadn't won a fight in his last six Lozon hadn't fought since 2019 that's true kind of felt like a Jim Miller I, I'm a little concerned Jim Miller may run through Cerrone here and I just really you know I just don't I just don't want to see that for Cerrone's last fight you know like yeah. I'm not saying he has to win really Jim Miller's probably the guy that should win this fight if he's going to continue going but Man, it's like Cerrone's just given so much to the sport. I'd kind of like to see him go out with at least a a big fight. You know, I'm hoping this is at least just a an awesome fight, fight of yeah. the year, fight of the decade, whatever. Yeah, I, don't know. I, just, yeah. I love both these guys. I, I'm hoping for the best here. You know, I agree. Next up, a fight that is being highly slept on: Andre Munez Woo. taking on Uriah Hall at welterweight. Dominic, you know, every time Uriah Hall fights, I feel like what what creeps into my mind is, you know, this is the guy that was at one time being perceived as the next big thing due to a show like the Ultimate where he was running through opponents. His career got stumbled really badly out the gates, never quite recovered to make it to that level of potential again. But, but... You look at his record. He is coming off a loss to Sean Strickland, a pretty deflating loss. Yes. But before that, he was on a four-fight win streak, Dom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What am I missing here? He's going up against the guy, don't get me wrong, Munez, uh, jiu-jitsu ace, submitted Jacare Souza for Christ's sakes. Um, the guy who's riding 4-0 in the UFC, so he's, I mean, his win streak's even longer. But to me, like, for all the crap, or not the crap, but for all the criticism I tend to, put up front for Uriah Hall. He's arguably, if I mean, the Sean Strickland fight's there, but he's arguably at his best in the last couple of years. Is that safe to say? No, I, I think it is. I think it definitely is. It's just Uriah's always going to have that narrative about he doesn't <laughs> let it go. Because when he lets yeah. it go, he puts people away, and sometimes it's devastating. You've seen the knockouts that he had, obviously, in the Ultimate Fighter, but even knockouts that he's had in the UFC, even against... Anderson Silva. And so this is a tough fight for him, though, because Andre Muniz is legit. This is the next kind of way. Like, there's not a ton of prospects at 185 right now. And he's at number 13 in this middleweight division that's not too top-heavy. So a big win against a guy like Uriah Hall, I think, says a lot. Um, but 32 right in his prime. Uriah Hall, 37. So he's a bit older. He's Like you said, he's made wow. this run. During his later years of his career, but sometimes that happens with the guys that are a bit heavier. They have more longevity. So this is an interesting fight because Muniz, um, you know, obviously known for his BJJ, he submitted Jacare Souza. Someone no one had ever done that before, if I'm not mistaken, until he did it, snapped his arm in half. Uh, but in Uriah, known for his striking, so it is the striker versus the grappler. Uriah Hall historically has decent takedown defense. Not that he fights a ton of wrestlers. But a guy like Andre is just going to be so hungry to get him down. And once he's down there, I feel like the game's over. So if Uriah Hall keeps it on the feet, very interesting fight. If it goes to the ground, it could be a tough night for uh, Uriah Hall to hold that top 10 spot. 
See, I view this as the biggest style clash on the card. I think if this fight goes to the ground, it's game over for Uriah. If it stays on yep. the feet, it's game over for Munez. Munez, all four of his losses, by the way, KOTK. Yep. So, Great uh, Uriah Hall, I know he's been a bit what, – what worries me is that he will be hesitant to pull the trigger because yep. he's going to be nervous about those takedowns. But, man, if he can – it only takes one. I mean, look at – all he did was check a leg kick against Chris Weidman and look what happened. I mean, it's just – Yeah, yeah. I, maybe I shouldn't be crediting him for that, but I'm just saying, like, this guy is all, like he, – he feels a bit like a Super Saiyan, like a Goku yeah. when, he, when his hair gets all blonde and shit and <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Like, that's, that's what Uriah Hall feels like at all times. Like, he just constantly has this energy, this power, but he just doesn't unleash it enough. And yep. um, again, if he can do it here, if there's a guy who he can put away, I, I feel kindly it is a guy like Munez who does struggle if you hit him enough. But he's going to be well aware of that and is going to be wanting no business of the feet here with uh, Uriah Hall, I do believe. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> okay, two more fights here. <laughs> Macy Barber, Jessica I. Is this the end of the Jessica I era of the um, women's flyweight division? I actually was asking myself the same question, note-taking, this morning, and I think so. I think if Jessica I loses, that could be the end of the road for her. Shout-out to the Ohio girl, right? We got to see her fight in Cleveland. I know. But, I know. Um, yeah. It's been tough for her lately. She's lost three in a row, all via pretty decisive, well, unanimous decision. The, the, there were the close Joanne fight. Wood fight. Yeah, Great, Joanne Wood yeah, fight was pretty yeah. close. Jennifer Maya fight was close, but uh, Macy, again, I thought she lost to Miranda Maverick. Don't get me wrong, but she's on a two-fight win streak. But what she did to Montana De La Rosa, mm-hmm. I I don't care what anybody says. I think Montana's a good opponent. I think she's a great prospect for this flyweight division, and Macy ragdolled her and for 15 straight minutes. It was all Macy Barber. It looks like she's putting skill sets together every time she, that she goes out there. This is her chance to finally get into the top 10 because when she had that chance the first time, she lost to Roxanne Modafferi. Yes, the knee got injured, but she was going to probably lose that fight anyway the way it was going. This is her next chance. This is take two for Macy Barber. Still only 24 years old. Noah, she's 11 years younger than Jessica I coming into this fight. She's so just physically strong. I just think she's too much for Jessica I up in the cage, in the grappling. Striking, Jessica I is going to be the better boxer at range. I just don't think that this fight's going to be at range too much. I think Macy's too strong. And this is her, again, her opportunity to get into the top 10 finally. Yeah, I I don't want to like, I don't want to be mean to Jessica I here, but I will just say that I feel like she is like the most vulnerable person in this top 15. Yeah. She's five and nine in the UFC. Yeah. Yes, she fought for a title, but really it's not been a great run, especially as of late. And I just can't help but feel like, you know, I think in a lot of ways you're seeing Macy Barber being given a kind of a gimme matchup. But I will say when Macy Barber is in this kind of position, this feels like the kind of fight that out of nowhere Jessica I might just pull a rabbit out of the hat and get a win. Like Macy Barber, I like what she did to Montana De La Rosa. She looked great. That was kind of the first time we've really seen Macy look like Macy since, yes. I mean, before the Roxanne fight, I guess. But um, 
there is that lingering question. You know, I'm, I'm on the bet slip. You'll see. I believe in Macy, but Dom, like if she comes out flat or comes out maybe overlooking Jessica, I due to those perceived deficiencies, due to the record in the UFC, and maybe thinking that she has a lack of talent or whatever. Jessica Hyde might just be able to pull this one out. She's got Jessica Hyde has a win over Caitlin Chukagian not too long ago. Huh. That's yep. what got her to title fight. Nobody seems to be able to beat that girl. So it's not as easy of a fight as I kind of when I when I really view this on paper, like I tend to view it as being an easy fight for for Macy, and it's really not. But she does a lot of it is based on the kind of Macy Barber we get here. If we get the Macy Barber that fought Montana, who was hungry to be the youngest world champion in UFC history, I think she smokes Jessica I. Yeah. But if we get a timid, tentative, perhaps not 100% Macy Barber, because, you know, a lot of fighters don't come in 100%. But I felt like that injury against Roxanne, even though it was a very debilitating injury, it was a torn ACL, but in the, in the middle of the fight, you almost feel, I wonder, I felt like that just took all her focus away and she was just more focused about, well, shit, I, I don't want to fuck up my knee anymore. So, mm. um, all in all, Macy Barber, but she has to be Macy Barber to win this fight. Yep, great points. No, I like it. Last one, 185 pounds, a lot of middleweights on this card. It's on display, these, man. These, I mean, these guys, this could be a, co- this is a co-main on any fight night. I mean, this is that's how stacked this card is. Drickus Duplessis, he's back. He's 2-0 in the UFC. Absolute stud in this middleweight division. And he's taking on a mainstay at a top 15. A guy who you kind of forget about just because the activity's been a little lower. Mm-hmm. But Brad Tavares, remember the name. And the styles might not clash exactly. Like, you know, they might have some similar... Um, strengths and weaknesses, but Dominic, the methods. This is a good clash here because Drickus is all gas, no breaks. This guy has finished literally every fight, win or lose. Everyone. He is 16 and 2. He yeah. has never went to the distance ever. And it shows in the way he fights. He's very aggressive, He's but he's still very composed and technical at the same time. But for Brad Tavares, Dom, he has went to the decision in 56% of his professional MMA bouts. And it's even higher if you go off of his UFC bouts. 15 in the UFC. I believe that is... 15 out of 20, 75%? Yeah. Yeah, 75% is what I was thinking. I mean, that's a large portion. So you have a very big method clash, a very big IQ clash here in a lot of ways. Like... Two guys that go about their fights completely different. And I can't wait to see kind of how it meshes. I tend to lean Drickus younger, more explosive, more momentum. But it's easy to forget how good Brad Tavares can be, too, just because we don't see it a ton. Yep, I couldn't have said it any better, and I don't want to say any more because I've got some stuff on this fight in a sec. (laughs) Because you're like, I'm tired. I'm tired of talking about fights. <laughs> Can never have too much to the, I know, I know, I know, Dom. Let's go on to the below average bet slip. Brought to you by DraftKings and FanDuel. 
If only they would actually sponsor us. That'd be dope as shit. I know. Yeah, we, it's coming. we're adding, it's fa- coming. We're adding FanDuel to FanDuel is being added to our to our betting apps. Um, I'm not gonna, broadening our horizons, look, Noah. Look, you know, I we could we could say we could say the reason is it, it sort of fell into our laps that like well, it's probably smart to use multiple apps so you can get the best odds on across both. But truthfully, the new member bonus is kind of why I downloaded it. Uh, so full transparency, uh, a lot of these bets um, are being placed under the uh, free money that I was given from <laughs> FanDuel. But look, it's still, if I, if I didn't want to put the bet, I could have put one bet, and then I could have pocketed the rest. Like, it's my money, all right? So, like, you know, yeah. just... I ain't robbing anybody here, but right. let's just go from top to bottom here, Dom. Really, what's what's interesting is even though we might be on the same page in a lot of ways, not a single bet that we both agree on. Yeah, wow, we don't have any of this. That's the first time in a while, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like we're on the same page with a lot of them, but it yeah. feels like the fights that I feel stronger about in terms of a winner, you feel more strong in like the outcome and yeah, vice versa. And vice, yep, yep. So I'll start with mine. Uh, you know, I have the weird unit sizes now. 1.54 units on Drickus Duplessis money line, minus 154 is what I got them at. I get, of course, it color-coded FanDuel Blue mm-hmm. uh, DraftKings Green, so you guys know where we got these from, even though by the time you're watching this, they may be a little bit different. Um, I just said everything I needed to say about this one. Drickus, I think he's the more explosive, more momentum, the younger fighter arguably in a lot of ways I just think he's ready for this 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 moment. I think he's ready for that top fifteen matchup. Brad Tavares been kinda hanging on to that ranking by a thread for a long time now. His activity has fallen off a little bit. I think he's gonna have a hard time with the aggression with the striking and even if it goes to the ground, very talented grappler as well. Drickus money line one point five four units to win one unit. Next one, one point two five units, Robbie Lawler money line Minus 120, minus 125. Dominic, I almost was, I almost made the biggest mistake of my life. For some reason, I looked at the money line odds and I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, you know, I really like Robbie in this matchup. But I said, let me see if I can find something better. And for some reason, I like forgot what these odds were. And FanDuel still had, must have not updated all of his odds because. For him to win via decision or KOTKO was minus 130. And okay. for some reason, that caught my eye. And I put, I literally placed the bet. And then I looked at the money line odds and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> it's better odds. And yeah. I get the, uh, the potential submission. Yeah. The Yuri Prohaska got me shit in my britches now <laughs> when it comes to that. So I was like, okay. So I was able to cash it out, place the Robbie Lawler money line bet. Um, I think it's a I think it's a great matchup for Brian Barberena. You know, it's for both guys really. Like they both kind of feed into this kind of matchup. Mm-hmm. I just think Robbie's fought the better competition. Even if you want to look at the losses that have piled up for him, he's losing to much better competition than Brian's facing. Outside of I guess Matt Brown, but I just think it's a. I think Robbie is still a much better. I don't think he's on the level of a Nick Diaz or even a Matt Brown. At this point, I think he's still better than that. I think he could still be a top 15 level fighter if given the chance. But um, 
and I just don't think Brian Barberina is that good. He does tend to fight up to his competition, and especially with the style matchup. I think it favors him to perform well, but not well enough. Yeah. Dominic, you take over with the next one. Who would have thought, if you're, especially if you're watching on video, that I am taking Max Holloway money line? Listen, guys. He's putting the money where his mouth is. Here. I am. I am. The headband, the shirt, and the money all in one. I, I in okay, all transparency for the. If anyone actually does watch this and like backs us or plays some of our plays, Godspeed first and foremost. <laughs> but but and you're a real one if you do. Hey, but, we're uh, back in the green. We're back in the green. So. You're right. You're right. We are riding a wave right now. But I just want to let everybody know if you do like watch us for that reason, there is fan bias in this bet a little bit i want to be honest with you but at the end of the day regardless of how big of a fan i am of someone if i don't believe that they can win the fight i would not put money on them i think max holloway can win this fight noah said it best at the beginning he feels like it's a coin flip fight it's it's a money even money fight but he's coming in at plus 160 odds i have to take a chance on it i know that volkanovsky's only gotten better and he's already up 2-0 against max holloway i get it but Max Holloway is looking the best that he's ever looked in his last two fights. Noah, he put on a performance of the all-time greats that'll go down in the history books to what he did against Calvin Cater. But then you look at the fight against Jair, yeah, a little bit more adversity, and that one took a little bit of damage. But he showed wrinkles in this game that we hadn't seen in years. He was utilizing grappling, wrestling, submission attempts, flying knees. He is getting better. He looks just as good as Volk. They are the two far and away best featherweights in the world right now i can't wait to see him come together listen max i pulled this stat earlier and forgot to say it has gone the full 25 minutes in six straight fights no he's had two and a half hours of octagon time in a row um, and we know that volkanovsky is much of the same very similar but we know that holloway's not gonna you know go anywhere he's not gonna get tired and with it the pace that he put on against cater and yair was more than what he did against Volk in those first two. So if he can take that and implement it into this third one and keep that pacing, keep that output, that pressure, I even think that a finish could potentially be in the cards late in this fight. But regardless, I love Max Holloway here at plus 160. The fandom aside, I really think he does have the X and O's. Even though he's down 2-0, I believe in him. I'm going Max Holloway money line. Oh, and I'm up next as well. So I just got really winded. I'm going to get winded again. Noah and I, again, same wavelength. I'm just getting a little crazy because we can take Drickus from a minus 154 to a plus 150 to win by finish. Noah already said it in the breakdown. 16 wins, 16 finishes. That's a 100% finish rate if my math is right. We've talked a lot about numbers and math on today's show. Tavares does go the distance a lot. He is durable. I get that. But he's lost six times. Three of them have been via knockout. I think Drickus has more power on the feet. And I just think he's a more rounded, well-rounded guy. Um, Tavares has great takedown defense, but I don't think Drickus needs to necessarily land a big takedown to get this fight to the ground and get a submission. I think he can hurt Brad on the feet like we've seen happen before, and he can even pull a submission with a standing guillotine that we've seen him do before in his career. I just think there's so many paths to victory, and I think a guy that has that much finishing prowess, why not carry it here to get the biggest one of your career? to crash into the top 15 and it's plus 150 come on i had to take it i gotta give dom credit because we already spent like a half hour talking about max and volk and he decided to do like another half hour on the bed <laughs> the max holloway money line that was incredible 
Israel Adesanya by KOTKO. Uh, oh, no, is, talk to me now. This is the riskiest play, in my opinion. As I view my bet slip, I view this as the riskiest one, but it probably should be because it's the one with the best odds, plus 170. And, guys, I'm, I'm buying in to Israel Adesanya is in need of a big performance. Mm-hmm. I don't think Cannoneer is going to go out lightly. I think he's going to bring a fight to Israel Adesanya. And this is his only opportunity probably for a title he's ever going to get. He's, he's 38 years old. He took him a long time to even get this title fight. So a loss here, and he's going to have to really climb his way back. And if you look at how many fights it took Robert Whitaker to get a second title fight, yeah, he is going to go out on his shield here if that is so, uh, if that's what the fight turns into. Either that, or he's going to start out slow and maybe a little bit hesitant to the moment. And Israel Sun is just going to pick him apart for two rounds, and then it's going to be over. That's all I see for this fight. I understand like that Cannoneer is deserving of the opportunity. I'm happy he's getting it. Doesn't mean I think he has a great chance here. That's just the way I view it. Plus 170, I decided to throw a shot at it. Even though if you made me predict the fight, I would probably predict, like, if you said, like, put, let's say everything was even money, you just put, like, put money on what the outcome's going to be. I'd probably lean out of Sonya's decision just because that's what we've seen so much of him. But when you have the plus 170 added on to it, you got to kind of throw darts sometimes. Um, next one. <laughs> 1.46 years. See, I got a little interesting with these next two because uh, Munez Hall to start round two at minus 146. There, This one is a little risky in itself because both it's such a style clash that I feel like it could be over very quick. One yeah. guy could get a takedown, Munez, get a quick submission. And then you got Uriah Hall who could knock this thing out, put the fireworks together and make it end early. But I look at this fight and think it's going to go a little bit more tentatively than that because I think both guys are going to have a lot of respect mm. for the other strengths here. Because of that, I do think we see a second round. I could still see a finish in this fight for sure. I mean, a decision's kind of far-fetched. But I like the odds here. Go to a second round and just got to get through five minutes, people. Come on. No, can we not please have a Shavkat, like, two seconds left and he gets a chip. Yeah. Like, I right. can't do – after the Zhang Yoana fight, like, I just – my heart can't take that, oh, kind of, yeah. that kind of beating again. No. Uh, 1.2 units on Strickland Pajara to start round three. Minus 120 on this one. I don't know what's going to happen in this fight. <laughs> but yeah. whether it be that Strickland puts in a more grappling-heavy attack – or whether it be that these two guys go head to toe, fist to cuffs for three rounds. I think the durability of both mixed with the intelligence of both is going to prevent either one of them from probably getting finished, but I wouldn't commit to the go to distance bet. Mm -hmm. I liked it better to just start round three because a late finish is more likely than to me. I don't see a first round finish happening here. I really don't. I think yeah. both guys just have a little bit more than that. You know, if you're thinking a finish, to me, I look at a finish being like Sean Strickland just gassing out Pajaro with the grappling and maybe locking in some sort of submission or ground and pound finish. I really don't think Pajaro finishes this fight. I think he's a little bit too... I think the, the Bruno Silva fight showed that he, while being very powerful and huge and long, he's also, you know... He fights like a kickboxer, and he's not really, you know, I, 
the, the, the style clash here is enough to where I, I think there's a good chance this fight goes the distance, but start round three for sure. Now, Dominic, next one. Yeah, I love those two plays. I had one of those slated for UFC Austin between Cerrone and Lozon not to start round three. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. So uh, I like that Noah's playing those. And speaking of Donald Cerrone, I've got him and Jim Miller to be under two and a half. So relatively similar to how I felt about him and Lozon. I still think it's going to be a barn burner of a fight, fan-friendly. Miller has been finishing uh, tons of people. His last six wins have all been via finish. He cashed me a plus 250 ticket mm-hmm. the last time he fought by getting a finish. So I think there's going to be violence here. This is minus 175 on DraftKings, hinted by the green font there. Um, seven out of Miller's last ten have been under two and a half. And like I said, all of his, his last six wins have all been via stoppage, and they have come at that under two and a half mark. For Donald, six of his last ten under two and a half. And every time that he's been finished during his winless streak, so he's on that six-fight skid right now, four of those he's been finished. They are by KOTKO, and all four were under two and a half rounds. So when I say that, you probably think I'm leaning Jim Miller, but I'm not necessarily picking a winner. I just do feel like Miller is going to win this fight. If he's going to win this fight, he's going to get a finish. Should Cerrone win, I do think Miller is finishable. We've seen him already finish Jim Miller once. Granted, it was 2014, but Cerrone's fighting at 170. Miller's not used to fighting at 170, so that... You know, the size difference, the power difference, I would lean towards Cerrone just because they're up a weight class. So I think either way, this fight gets finished. It doesn't go the distance, and I really like under 2.5 at minus 175. This one, more violence. Brad Rydell, Jalen Turner, already talked about it earlier when we broke the fight down. This fight's so sick. It's a bit risky at the same time because Brad Rydell has went to a decision quite a few times. Um, He's only finished five out of his ten wins, uh, but both of his losses – have come via stoppage, one submission and one knockout. Jalen Turner, on the other side, has the 100% finish rate, nine knockouts, three submissions, and three of his losses, or three of his five losses have come via knockout, and we know that Brad Rydell does possess the striking and the kickboxing to do so. I just can't see a world in which this fight does go the distance. Um, I would be quite surprised. I mean, obviously, it's almost minus two to one. I almost didn't even get to lay it. But if it's under minus 200, Noah and I are willing to take a stab at it. So I really like that one there. And then lastly, I still think there's going to be violence involved. But Robbie Lawler and Brian Barberina are just so damn durable. I got it to go the distance at minus 156. Where are my stats on this fight? I don't even see it anymore. But they're both so durable, man. And I just – Robbie's been the distance, I think, six of his last ten – uh, Brian's went to four straight decisions that we've seen all very close and ones where it's not like they're low output or anything like it's still gung ho for three straight rounds, but he's just so durable. He doesn't get finished Lawler much of the same. We haven't seen him get finished lately. And um, I, do, I don't know. I like the pressure. I like the pace of both guys. Noah obviously laid the wood on Lawler. I didn't feel comfortable picking a winner, but minus 156 is decent for a fight that I feel really confident goes the distance. Dominic, I'm, I, I can't keep up with you, brother. I, I, your, your, your stamina is much stronger than mine. I mean, Whew. we're two hours in, and you're still you're still writing books. And I'm like, man, I, I can't do it anymore, man. I'm going to be brief with my parlay here. <laughs> Plus 167. Look, three legs instantly. I was kind of um, – if, if this, if this parlay is going to fail, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be because of Ian Gary. That's just, I felt the same when you take that one that. to the bank because yeah. 
I feel pretty confident Macy Barber takes care of Jessica I. Sean O'Malley takes care of Pedro Munoz. For all I know, all three of these are going to fail. Maybe Ian Gary will be the only one who wins. I mean, that's usually, <laughs> that, that's, that's but, how it um, works. But if, if this fails, I think Gabe Green's just going to be a tough matchup for Ian Gary. But again, I'm, I'm riding a lot of momentum here on the parlay, plus 167. I was going to do Barber and Malley, and the odds were okay for that one. But I wanted to get it plus money to make it worth my while. Put the third leg on there. Should I put someone like Izzy on there? Maybe, but, you know, I like to spread the love around a little bit. Hey, plus 167 will be awful nice if it hits for the below average bet slip units. Uh, I can be relatively brief on mine because we share a lot of similarities. Obviously, I picked Andre Munez to win in the minus 125, paired him with Sean O'Malley. I don't think that Uriah will throw, and I think because of that, Andre will be able to take advantage of it, eventually get a submission, and truthfully, I think he can win a decision as well. But I do like Andre Munez to crack into the top ten. Sean O'Malley, much of the same. When we broke down the fight, he's just so much longer. He's so much bigger. I think he can... I don't know if he's going to finish Pedro, but I think he can piece him up, pick him apart for three rounds at the least. I think he does get it done and also cracks into the top ten. Then the second one is kind of my more confident one. Macy Barber was Israel Adesanya. I think these are the two locks of the entire card, if I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I don't see a world in which Macy loses Jessica I, especially the way she looked in her last fight. I think Jessica I is on her last leg. Israel Adesanya... I think this is much like Noah pointed with the KOTKO. I could see that happening. I think he's he's due for another Paulo Costa type performance, and I feel like Cannoneer is the style matchup to do so. But regardless of if it's a knockout or goes the distance, I think Israel gets it done in all aspects of this fight. That's the two money line parlays: one twenty-five and one thirty-nine. Okay, closing statements time. It's the part of the show, you guys know, we don't end the show like any normal people. We we like to end it by talking about stuff that maybe isn't MMA related. It can be anything and everything, MMA or not. We get it off our chest here with our closing statements. Dominic, your closing statements for June 30th edition of the show. Guys, just be with me this weekend in spirit because I'm going to be at a wedding. You got to skip, bro. I'm going to be at a wedding very far away on Saturday on fight night. Now, time-wise, it's doable to where I can probably catch every fight, but it's not going to be easy. Guys, I'm going to be fighting. I'm going to be scratching. I'm going to be clawing. Just be with me. Keep me in your thoughts. But, yeah, International Fight Week's coming. I'm as ready as I can be. I might be all dressed up to the nines, but I'm going to have the fights on at my dinner table. Don't worry. You're pulling a little bit of what I did at UFC 274. I, I couldn't remember which pay-per-view it was. <laughs> I was in the way. You were in the way, yeah. <laughs> it was very funny at the at the um, the banquet. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we're like seated, like they had like a the bridal party seated kind of in front of the rest of the tables. Yeah. And I just had my phone out up against my little wine glass filled with water, and I'm just like, oh god, I'm like. I'm like, oh, poor Dom is Norma Dumont. My decision bet's not going to hit. Oh, <laughs> Don't ask me why that's the fight I thought of. but you know. Yeah, I'm glad you were thinking of me at the wedding. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, uh, closing statements today. Honestly, my brain's kind of fried, guys. I'm just going to be honest. Like, we just, we just, we, that, was a man, that was a woolly mammoth of an episode right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
I hope I hope that we did you guys. I hope we did this card justice. I hope we lived up to your guys' expectations for this episode. I feel like there's been a lot of momentum building for us, and this episode could be a big episode for us. Even though it's shit's random as hell. I mean, our biggest <laughs> episode of all time yeah. is us talking about a fight that didn't even happen. So, um, <laughs> so you know, true. it's just. It uh, it's random as hell when you guys. Everything's so volatile when you have 130 <laughs> subscribers. But yeah, all right. We're climbing slowly but surely. No thank anymore. My brain gone. I'm Noah Baker. You can't even That's complete Dominic the sentences. <laughs> why use lot word when few words be true? So me think why waste time? Say lot word when few word do trick. <laughs> Uh, word of low average Joe's and we'll see you on Monday. Uh, see ya.